Welcome to the Cool Things Entrepreneurs Do podcast with your host, Tom Singer. In each episode, we explore the interesting lives of business leaders, entrepreneurs, solopreneurs, and others who have a healthy dose of the entrepreneurial spirit. It is time to explore something cool. Now, here is your host, Tom Singer. Hey, and welcome to another episode of Cool Things Entrepreneurs Do. Thank you for pulling your chair up to the cool kids table. On this show, I try to interview really interesting people who are doing cool things in their career. Many of the listeners of this show feel like maybe their ladder is against the wrong wall and they wish they could branch out and go do something different career-wise. But for whatever reason, they keep going through the motions. And I think by bringing some of these interviews to you, maybe... One or two of you will get a little bit of inspiration, and I know for a fact that today's show is going to be exactly that. It's going to be inspiring. There's going to be some ideas. There's going to be little nuggets of information that can inspire you if you feel like, I want to go be an entrepreneur or a solopreneur, or even if in your job you just want to behave more entrepreneurial. I think today's guest is really going to help you out, kind of see things a little more clearly. So today's guest is Meredith Elliott Powell. Now, she's a professional speaker friend of mine from the National Speakers Association. She's actually my birthday buddy. We share the same birthday, but I'm sure she's many, many, many years younger than I am. But uh, I got to know her, kind of knew who she was, but I was actually the master of ceremonies at an event last year where she was the keynote speaker. And that's one of the most fun parts about my job is... I think this year I'll give close to 80 presentations, and so often I get to share the stage with really cool people who are doing really interesting things with their career, and that's how I got to know her. We recently saw each other at the CSP Summit, which is the people who have the Certified Speaking Professional designation, and there's only about 800 speakers in the world out of close to 50,000 people who call themselves speakers who have that designation. And we were both at a little gathering of some of those people, about 75. And uh, I said, who wants to be on the podcast? And it was interesting. Only a few people, I mean, a lot of people said, oh, I do. But only a few people were action takers. And they said, let's get it scheduled right now. And Meredith was one of those people. And I love people like that who don't just say, yeah, that sounds cool. But they're like, let's get it in the calendar and let's do the interview. It's people like that who I think are the ones who find success, and that's what we're going to learn about today is how Meredith became successful. Hey, Meredith Elliott Powell, welcome to Cool Things Entrepreneurs Do. Thank you, Tom. I am excited to be here. What a great introduction. <laughs> well, you know, tell me a little bit about your business. Tell me what, what you do. I mean, when someone says they're a speaker, I try to remind the audience all the time that that is not a commodity thing. A speaker isn't a speaker isn't a speaker. So who are you? What do you talk about? And, and how's your business structured? You know, it's funny you would ask that because I just, uh, I was doing an, ins- I was doing an interview this morning for health insurance and they said, what do you do? And I you know, started that, you know, well. joke for a second. And, um, and more than uh, describing myself as a, as a speaker, I describe myself really as a business growth strategist. That is what I am fascinated with. And that is the work that I do is what does it take to succeed no matter what this economy does? <laughs> And writing are really the formats that that um, that that you know the vehicles to which I do my work because I research, I study, and I write, and then I go out and I speak about what uh, what I write on, and I do some consulting and a little coaching. But truly, my driver is the passion of what are the trends that are driving the marketplace, and how can I help give people control in very uncertain times. 
you know, it's interesting, business growth strategist. I probably needed to hire you. This year I've had, you know, huge growth in my business, but I really don't know why. I mean, I do. I have some ideas, but, you know, now I'm worried about next year. Can I can I make it sustainable and how do I grow it yet again? And so what do you do as a business growth strategist? What are some of the the day-to-day things that you do for your clients outside of the, the speaking and the writing? Well, you know, the, the first thing is you said something very interesting there and you said, you know, I've had a great year. I don't know why. And now I worry. And <laughs> that's where I go in is that um, is that business growth and strategy going together is very important. So I help people determine where it is that they want to go. You know, son of the Stephen Covey, begin with the end of my, in mind. If we're going to be here in 2018, here in 2019, what does that end look like? And then once we define that, what's the strategy to get there? What are the pieces that have to go into place? What are the priorities to get there? And then if you have a team, how do we get everybody focused in the same direction? And with that plan in place, from there, it's accountability and it's support. What are the tools and techniques and trainings that you need to ensure you can deliver the results? And then the almighty hammer of accountability to make sure that you not only do what you say you're going to do, but I think more importantly, stay focused because I think it's incredibly difficult in today's marketplace to stay focused. Ah, Story of my life. Hey, look, squirrel. Oh, wait, we're we're doing a podcast interview. I got to get back here. Hey, so what led you into becoming an entrepreneur? I mean, my assumption is, is that you didn't go to college and major in business growth strategy and decide that you were going to become a a speaker, writer, consultant. What did you do first? What what was the beginning of the career life for Meredith Elliott Powell? and, and, And what led you to where you are? I have always had the luck of going into businesses right when they are going through unbelievable change. So I started my career out in all places in public relations for the Myrtle Beach Area Chamber of Commerce. But I didn't just start at any time with that chamber. I started the week after Hurricane Hugo. So it was complete (laughs) chaos. And we had to, um, you know, convince people to still come on vacation when the news was reporting that there were big rats on the beach. So after I finished that job, I moved to the mountains of North Carolina and I started building referral networks for doctors. But again, I did that at the time when Medicare and Medicaid decided that they needed to cut reimbursement. And after that, I went into the banking industry, right as the banking industry, community banks and competition really got hot and heavy. So I have had the good fortune to go into business at times of crisis, which I didn't know turned out to be my talent of how do you figure out how to succeed when everything around your world is shifting. And, you know, to just cut to the chase, I had a lot of luck in every business that I've been in. We've... um, I've had the ability to be entrepreneurial and the ability to be innovative and put strategies into place that found us being incredibly successful in difficult times. And I hit the age of 40 and thought, I think I'm going to go out on my own because at 40, it's a magical age. You're old enough to be taken seriously and young enough that it doesn't work out. You can still get a job. <laughs> <laughs> so so let's back up just a little bit into that because you said something that's very interesting and I think poignant to a lot of the people who listen to this show that while you were in those roles, you actually had the good fortune of being able to be entrepreneurial in the job. Let's talk a little bit about that before we move on to sort of your own company. How does one be entrepreneurial? entrepreneurial inside their job. I mean, I hear from a lot of people, they want 
to do it. And it's interesting. I've seen studies that say that uh, most bosses wish their employees would behave like entrepreneurs in their job. And yet most employees say their bosses don't want or won't let them behave entrepreneurial inside their job. So there seems to be this paradox of how does one be what I call, you know, the term is, I don't, I didn't coin it, but the term is an intrapreneur. How does one do that? You know, the, I think you said, um, I see, think you said the most important thing at the beginning of this um, interview in talking about how we wound up on this podcast. And that is that you talked about people who took action versus people that don't. And I think that for most people, we're not entrepreneurial in our jobs because we assume without our bosses ever saying a word to us that they don't want us to be entrepreneurial. Because in defense of most people in the workplace, our cultures are not inviting us to be entrepreneurial, especially after 2008, 2009, 2010, because right, the economy went a little bit crazy. Everybody got scared and micromanagement came back into fashion. So don't, you know, the first step is, I think, to understand that the culture isn't inviting you. So you have to take the action to invite yourself. The second thing is, it's a great conversation to have with your boss or your leader to say, you know, I want to be a part of helping this organization be successful. Help me understand what the goals are, what are the priorities, and what do you most need from me? And from there, you need, as, as an employee, you need to question everything you do. You need to look for better ways to do things, more efficient ways to do things, and you need to own it. You need to make it your responsibility to make your department, your job, and your organization more successful. You need to act like it's your company. Yeah, I did that. I was actually the marketing director for a law firm, and I worked for the same group of lawyers at two different firms for a little over four years. And every time I would have the anniversary of when I worked with them, I would go in and meet with the partners one-on-one, and I would say, if I was an outside consultant, would you renew my contract for the next year? And we would talk about what I was doing well, maybe some areas they, they, they didn't think I was doing well, but I always remember this one partner, his name was Robert, and he said, you know, Tom, you would never ask a question you didn't know the answer to, because you know <laughs> we think you're doing a good job. But at the same time, I, and I did know that, but at the same time, the whole point was, I own this department. I run it like a consulting firm to this group of lawyers. And nobody told me to do that. I, I, I just did it. And you said something that I think was, was a huge nugget. And that is you have to take the action to invite yourself to be entrepreneurial inside your job. And I think that's really, really a great piece of advice. You know, um, years ago, I was taking my nephew uh, to school. He was like six or seven and we're, you know, driving down the road and this song comes on the radio. And he said, you know, my friend Tucker and I, thought of that idea for a song long before this guy put it on the radio. Mm-hmm. And, and, you know, I started to laugh to myself as only a six-year-old could, could say, but it, I took it mostly hit me in that moment. And I said, well, understand that's the difference between success and failure. Everybody has ideas, but the people who succeed are the people who take action period that that's, you know, sometimes your actions going to work out. So you succeed. Sometimes your actions going to work out that you fail, but taking action and moving is where success comes from. Well, about a month ago, back in November 2017, I don't know when people will be listening to this, but about a, a month ago from when this will air, uh, my, this podcast was listed in an article on Inc.com as one of the eight entrepreneur podcasts that people should be listening to in 2018. And not only did my listenership skyrocket uh, yeah. in, in the weeks following that, but I started getting a lot of inquiries from other podcasters. And the first thing was, how did you get on that list? 
And there were people who have much higher ranked shows than, than this little show. But there were people who were like, how did you get on that? Well, I don't know. I mean, I, they were like, did you have a PR company? How did you do that? And it was sort of a word of mouth thing of how the, the writer found out about me. But the other thing was, is I had people going, wow, you were so lucky because I did have this huge spike that came from being on that list. And people were like, you're so lucky. And I thought, I, I don't know if it was lucky. I'm the one who started the show three years ago and continued to do it even when there were no listeners and, and different things like that. It's like, I think, you know, action beats no action. And sometimes, you know, that fairy dust will fall in your lap, but only if you've set the stage for it. I completely agree with that. I, I don't know that I, I don't know that I don't believe in luck, but I don't know that I, that I believe in it. I mean, I think, I think that luck is something that happens because you're working your tail off. And eventually the fairy dust lands to, you know, to use your language in the books that I've written and the one that I'm researching for this coming year, no matter the strategies, the trends, the things that you need to put yourself in a position to be successful. The one consistent thing I get from everybody I interview is we'll make no mistake. This is hard work. So, so, and I think that's, I think that's so important to get across to people whether you want to be entrepreneurial in your business, whether you want to start your own business, is there's a lot of strategies and techniques, things you can learn that are going to help you. But at the end of the day, it's about putting, you know, putting in the work, rolling up your sleeves, getting to work and being okay when stuff doesn't work out because knowing that more movement is going to bring the thing that does. So you said that at around 40 years old, you decided I'm going to take the leap and, and go do my own thing. What was that like? What was the process like to get you to take that jump for me. And I was in my early forties when I did it for me, I got laid off. So I had sort of someone kick me in the butt and, and I didn't have a choice. It was April 1st, 2009, which was the bottom of the recession and yeah. there were no jobs. And, and, you know, we had a lifestyle to keep up. So I had to just get out there and get scrappy and get hungry. And by the time job offers started coming in, I was like, why would I do that? So I had a little outside influence. What, what got you going? Um, I was at the peak of my career and I was offered the job that I had been striving for my whole career. They, um, it was the, finally the, um, I had been in the C-suite, but it was truly the C-suite position that I really thought I wanted. And I'll never forget them walking me into that corporate office and saying, this will be your office. And this is everything that it comes with and thinking, this is not at all what I want for my life. I don't. <laughs> in the city. I don't want to be in meetings 24-7. I don't want to do this. And it was the first time that I'd realized I'd never thought, I'd, all I'd ever thought about was where I was going in my career. I'd never thought about what I wanted for my life. And when I, when I stepped back and thought about what I wanted for my life and my career was a part of that, it just didn't fit into that at all. So I walked away from everything that I had been working for from a career standpoint to jump off of my own and start a career. So it was, I started out as a business strategist, which is, you know, what I still am today, but I'm a master certified strategist from the University of San Diego, by the way. We have that in common. Yeah, yeah. Um, I, I went to San Diego State. So you had the beautiful campus up on the hill, but whatever. Yeah, exactly. So anyway, um, but I was scared to death. So I, I went out and found myself a consulting um, gig for a company that was enough to cover my bills. You know, as a former banker, I had to make sure that I had cash flow. And so I did that and just started, you know, put the faith out there and thought, well, one thing, will, you know, one thing will lead to another. Um, uh, and it did, but I did the crazy thing. I mean, I had security all, I walked away from retirement health insurance, uh, the country club memberships, 
and the big job where you finally get to sit there and tell other people what to do. And I walked away and went out on my own. So what do you love about the life that you've created now that you've started your own, your own thing and had done this for a decade? I love everything about this. I wouldn't change it for anything. And I'm, I'm, I'm sure you, you, I'm sure you feel the same way. I love the fact that I'm constantly challenged um, every day that I've got to be researching and studying and looking to be on top of um, my game. I love, I love selling more than anything in the whole world. I love getting the deal and getting the job that is a high like there is um, no other. And I love the fact that I am truly out there finding the answers and the strategies that'll truly help people be successful. I am providing a service that people really need. And I love that. So do you ever have days where you look back and think, wait, country club membership, corner office, I could have had that. What am I doing? (laughs) Uh, No, I don't ever have days like that. I do have some days when I think, oh my gosh, like, you know, this is, you know, I mean, we, you, you are constantly looking for your next deal, looking for the next, I mean, it's, it is a lot of work. I have days like that, but no, I, one thing I've learned about myself Um, is I don't do well with others telling me what to do. So I'm much better as an outside influence. So if someone's listening to the show and and they resonate with your story, as I'm sure so many do, what advice do you have them for them if they want to take that kind of a leap? What would you tell someone who wants to become a a solopreneur or an entrepreneur? What should they do? First of all, I have to, you need to, you need to understand what a solopreneur or being an entrepreneur is. The first thing I would do is go out and and talk to people and find out what it is that they do all day. Tom, you're going to love this. I had somebody call me um, the other day. They have an employee that they were letting go and, and they're letting her go because she couldn't sell. And she, the CEO was calling me and said, well, I think she'd be a great speaker. So I'd like for you to call her because she needs to get into the speaking business. Because it's so easy. Because it's so easy. We don't ever have to do anything but get on stage and speak. That's right. And so I think you need to get out and really realize that people who are entrepreneurs do what they love about 20 to 25% of the time. And then 75% of it is doing what they need to do in order to live their fantasy 25% of the time. Well, and I tell people who want to get into the speaker business all the time that two things. The first thing is, is that, you know, get around people who do it. I always ask people, how many speaker friends do you have? And I think the same thing is true if you want to start a plumbing business or if you want to, you know, be a rock star. How many rock star friends do you have? And people look at me like, what are you talking about? How many speaker friends do I have? I mean, and, and sometimes they'll go, well, you, and it's like that's so funny we just met for coffee we're not friends but i'm talking about people who it's oh it's thanksgiving time you don't have anything to do come to my house or let's go get a beer i'm having a bad day that type of friend and people often go like well none and i'm like i couldn't have done this business if i hadn't gotten around people in the national speakers association and watched and learned and shared ideas you know because i think that's that's sort of that first thing but the second thing i tell everybody is is that a speaker is a full-time salesperson because if you don't sell it, you don't get on stage. And so I laugh when you say that person's like, oh, she can't sell worth crap. She needs to become a speaker. Well, she's going to be a hungry speaker. <laughs> I mean, that is that is so true. And so you're, you're absolutely right. Because the second thing I would say is you've got to build a community. You've got to, you've got to, um, entrepreneurship can be a lonely life because you're building your own business. And so you've got to build a community where you get the support and the team 
that you need. And also, I think in today's marketplace, the collaboration, I just know a lot of the jobs and the things that I do, I find myself more and more collaborating with uh you know, with other people to, um, to do that. And then the last thing is, do you have the guts to do it? Because you're really living, um, based on your own work. I mean, I love it because you decide how much you make, you decide how much you work, you decide, you know, those types of things, but don't think that you're getting into this and you're going to have weekends and nights off because life just isn't like that. And be okay with the fact that entrepreneurship is not for everybody. No, it's not. And that's, I try to remind people of that all the time. Right now we live in a society where the, the entrepreneur is, is celebrated like the rock star. You know, right. we, we think of, of Zuckerberg and Gates and, you know, uh, uh, jobs and all these people, you know, the, the list is long. And I live in Austin, Texas, where, you oh, know, right. tech entrepreneurship is like we genuflect as you walk down Congress Avenue because it's like mm-hmm. the Pope is on every corner. But the reality is, is that it's not for everybody. And that's okay, because if everybody worked for themselves, the economy wouldn't work. Some people have to work for these companies. So, you know, it's okay if you're not the one, you know, carving the path. If you're the one helping someone else do it, you're just as important. Absolutely. Absolutely. And it's, and as entrepreneurs, we know you've got to have team members, right? Well, yeah, I kind of don't, but I should. It doesn't mean that I shouldn't, but I, I kind of, I'm a solo, I'm a, I'm a, I'm a lone ranger on this with the exception of my bookkeeper, because otherwise life sucks if I don't have the bookkeeper. <laughs> hey, Meredith, I've got more questions for you, but first I have to thank the sponsor of this episode. So this episode is brought to you by Podfly Productions. Podfly takes the time and the headache out of creating your own podcast. They set you up with the right equipment, training, and guidance to assure that you sound amazing. Podfly does all the heavy lifting and the technical work so that you can focus on creating great content, growing your audience, and interviewing really cool people like Meredith Elliott Powell. Hey, if you want to start a podcast, and I know some of you do, jump over to podfly.net slash cool things and check out the offer they have for the listeners of this show. So Meredith, I call the show cool things entrepreneurs do. What's the coolest thing you're doing with your company right now? Oh, I think the coolest thing that I'm doing with my company right uh, now is researching the book that I've got coming out in 2018. And that book is all about what are the trends and what are the strategies that you are going to need as we continue to move in this highly shifting, incredibly uncertain and technical technological explosion of an economy that we've got going. I've, I've got, um, we're doing the research right now to identify the trends that have gone through every economic shift that we have been through in the last 500 years and what have been the businesses that have come out on top in those economic shifts. And then what are the strategies, the things that they have done in order to be successful and navigate really heavily shifting times. And so we've got a book coming out that's going to be the methodology of not only economic survival, but how do you really thrive in what for most people feels like an economy that's just moving way too fast. Yeah, it's it's moving fast and it's shifting and it's changing. And, you know, the world is not going to look like it did, does today, five years from now. That is for sure. So I'll look forward to reading your book because I think that I, being able to identify trends and, and, and ride along with them is very important. So that's that's awesome. Hey, the other question or the, the last two questions I ask everybody who come on the show are really my favorite. So I think we could talk about you, Meredith, and all the cool things you've done launching out on your own, et cetera, for, for hours. However, 
I think great entrepreneurs are observers. So I love to ask people, who is it that you admire? When you look out there in the world of entrepreneurship, who do you look at and say, hey, hey, they're doing something cool? Yeah, you know, there's so many people that I admire in the world of, of um, entrepreneurship. But I got to tell you that um, I am a bit obsessed with uh, Amazon at the moment. Mm. I study everything that goes on with that company and the way that they are dominating and the and how consumer focused uh, they are. I think there's so much to be learned from studying and observing and really paying attention to not only what they're doing, but more importantly, how they are changing the landscape and the marketplace. And I don't know if you paid any attention over the Thanksgiving holiday, but there's been this uh, online war between Walmart and Amazon. Hmm. And I love how Amazon has come along and changed how Walmarts and the rest of the businesses around them are really functioning in today's marketplace. And so again, it's not only what they're doing, it's more how they're shaping the landscape that I really think is fascinating and is something I watch almost on a daily basis. Well, like I said, I think that, that you're right. And I think what they're doing is is a, a forerunner to a lot of trends that are going to come along in, in the business world. And, you know, they bought Whole Foods, which is the big Austin, Texas, homegrown supermarket company. And uh, that's changing a lot of the things here in Austin with Amazon now uh, buying up our big giant employer. So that's quite interesting uh, as well. Hey, the last question I ask everybody is – about what they do to give back to the greater good. Because I think entrepreneurs want to do more than make money. They, they want to leave their mark. They want to help. So, so what do you do to, to impact our society? You know, I've been um, raised from a little girl, the importance of giving back to the greater good. And my passion is land conservation and getting people into the great outdoors. And I don't know if that seems much like it has much to do with my business, but my business is actually called Motion First because I believe good things happen with action. And so I serve on the board of the uh, Friends of the Great Smoky Mountains National Park. I take kids um hiking inner city kids and getting them uh, out into the uh, great outdoors, learning about healthy cooking and healthy uh, eating and doing a lot to support our local farms and in making sure that um, a healthy lifestyle makes it all the way into the uh, into children's uh, lives, which I think will change, solve many problems in our world, including depression, obesity, um, urban sprawl and all those things. So that's my, that's my passion and that's my give back. And I devote a lot of my time to it. So, so that's awesome. What's, what's most fascinating is I, I would call myself a city guy, right? I grew up in Los Angeles and when we travel, we like to go to New York and Paris and, you know, places, Rome and places like that. But my youngest, my youngest daughter, who's almost 16, has sort of fallen in love with the outdoors and has pulled my wife and I out into things like going for hikes around Texas. And we did a, a multiple day vacation to the Grand Canyon. And each of our kids, we, we started a tradition when they were very young that when they turn 13, they get to plan a three night trip anywhere in the continental United States with mom. And when they're 16, they get to do it with dad. And these trips, my older daughter went to uh, Philadelphia and uh, then Boston with me. And my younger daughter did Seattle when she was 13 with her mom. But now that she's 16, I'm thinking, good, we can go back to Boston. There's, you know, there's all kinds of great cities that we can go to. And uh, Chicago, there's all kinds of things. And she came back and said, no, we're going to Yosemite. 
And I'm like, what, what? And she goes, even though we only have like two full days, we're just going to walk around Yosemite for two days. And I'm like, really? Cause there's all, oh, you haven't been to Boston. There's New York city. We could see a play. And so in uh, April, I think she and I are, are doing a three night trek, uh, as quickly in and out as we can actually, but, uh, we're going to spend two full days in Yosemite. So I'm, I'm getting my baptism in my fifties to the great outdoors. So cheers to what you're doing. I wish it maybe had come along earlier. I, I, I love that. And I really, um, I love to hear kids getting passionate about, um, about the outdoors and especially our national parks. So, so one, of, one of her dreams in life is she wants to hike the Appalachian trail after college. And she's only in high school, so this is seven years away or something like that. But she's trying to learn as much about it as she can, and she's trying to convince me to go with her. And uh, I struck a deal that if if she gets a full-ride scholarship to college, I I will do it. But she's working on getting me to want to do it either way. And I'm like, I I can't just walk away for six months. And she's like, sure you could. It's not for seven years. You could plan ahead. And uh, so, uh, you know, I laugh because uh, in seven years, you could find me on the Appalachian Trail, which will make me laugh because that would never have been on my bucket list. But uh, she's working it pretty hard. Well, I love that. And then you can come up here and visit me because the Appalachian Trail is right out my backyard. Awesome. Well, you can bring us food. I would love, I would, I would so meet you on more than a few places on the trail. So tell her I'm in and working you hard to do that. Yeah. I'm not going to let her listen to this episode or she'll be like, (laughs) Meredith is our, she's our food goddess. We'll have food along the way. Yep. I'd hike out and hike with you some. God love you. So Meredith, thank you so much for agreeing to come on the show. And thank you for being one of those people who just takes action and doesn't take, you know, dilly-dallyness for the way to go. You just were like, let's get this booked. Bam. Two weeks later, we did the episode. So thank you for, for being an action taker. And thanks for sharing your, your journey with the listeners of the show. Thank you. It's been a great um, interview. And I got to say, I've listened to the episodes for a long time now. So it's an honor to be on the show, but I love what you're doing. Oh, well, thank you. Tell all your friends. That's all I ask. Just everyone you've <laughs> ever met. So, so thank you again for being on the show. And thank you to everybody who tuned in. I'll tell you what, you can follow us on Twitter at Cool Podcast. On Facebook, uh, Cool Things Entrepreneurs Do. Uh, You can find everything to do about me at TomSinger.com. And if you want to join the Potential Mastermind Project, I'll tell you right now, you can go to PotentialMastermind.com. However, if you email me at Tom, T-H-O-M, at TomSinger.com, I'm going to offer a half-price deal. And I'm only letting people know who listen to the whole end of the show. So jump over to PotentialMastermind.com, but don't sign up there. Email me. We'll set up a PayPal link for you. And you can join for half price if you email me directly. Be like Meredith. Be an action taker. Hey, we're going to be back in a couple of days with an interview with somebody just as cool as Meredith Elliott Powell. I know that that sounds difficult, but we're going to find them. But in the meantime, I want to challenge you. Go out there and have a great day. Thank you for being part of the Cool Things Entrepreneurs Do podcast. Without your participation and listening to these conversations, there is no show. Connect with Tom at TomSinger.com and follow him on Twitter at, at TomSinger. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com. <laughs>